the number one podcast for those tracking the reinvention of Atlantic City. This is AC Primetime Radio with Mel Taylor. We're always talking about the CRDA and their ability or inability to properly book acts and put concerts on the beach and fill Boardwalk Hall. And we recently found out that a Songbird Entertainment was bringing a kind of a 70s and 80s triple header to Boardwalk Hall. We were surprised they were able to book the big arena that holds 12,000 seats, Songbird Entertainment and Michael Salvanto. He was on the radio the other day and he was saying stuff that just didn't smell right. So we had to reach out to an expert who really knows about the concert business, especially along the Jersey Shore. We reached out to Boardwalk Entertainment, Miss Amanda Thomas, to set us straight. Yes, thank you. Uh, We definitely are looking to set the record straight with some facts about how you actually go about booking Boardwalk Hall and our experience. And we found our experience to be quite different than what we were told of Michael's experience. This is AC Primetime Radio. Boardwalk Entertainment is proudly the only independent promoter on the entire East Coast to successfully execute a large-scale beach concert. By saying independent promoter, that means that we go out and we find our own funding from our own investors. We do not have a corporate backing. Um, For example, when Kenny Chesney came to Wildwood, American Express backed the entire thing. We don't have the luxury of having a huge backing company behind us. We self-fund all of our events. We also have successful food truck festivals, movies on the beach. Next year, we're coming back to Wildwood with a weekly wrestling event in coordination with Showtime Wrestling, and that's going to feature some major WWE superstars. And when we heard about the news about Michael booking Boardwalk Hall, we did scratch our heads a little bit. We have pitched a few ideas to Boardwalk Hall when the former manager, uh, Fran Radowitz, was in charge. And I think that Boardwalk Hall has always done a good job of vetting who's coming into their arena. At one time, I did pitch something for the arena, and that was approved. Unfortunately, that event uh, did not happen. We did not end up moving forward. It was a boxing event a couple of years ago. And we also inquired about doing Cool in the Gang of Boardwalk Hall for a very special broadcasting event. At that time, we were told that because Cool in the Gang doesn't typically sell 10,000 seats, we would be better suited in the ballroom. And we looked at the ballroom. It was a great price. And it was a very good option for that show and a good option for performers of that size. At the time when Fran was in charge, he really did the due diligence to look into acts. So I find it crazy that War, Asia, and the former singer of Journey uh, for Michael Savanto's show, they were given the entire Boardwalk Hall, 11, 12,000 seats for this event. From a standpoint of the management of Boardwalk Hall, to put all their resources out for a show that might sell 2,000, 3,000 tickets. This is New Jersey State Senator Colin Bell, and you're listening to AC Primetime Radio with Mel Taylor. Step back a little bit and get Amanda Thomas, who has expertise in putting on big concerts in Wildwood, very successful food truck events in Ventnor, a lot of great work this past summer in Atlantic City. You have the background. You know how to, how to identify numbers and put stuff together. It's not easy but you've accomplished a lot in the past couple of years. Who is this Michael Salvanto from Songbird Entertainment? 
How did he come about? How did he get Atlantic City to hand over five dates at Bader Field? That went away. Goes to Wildwood. Something happened there. How did Michael Salvanto get the city of Atlantic City to sign off on giving him Bader Field for five dates? Well, I personally do not know Michael. We spoke on occasion on the phone. Now, my company was not interested in working with Michael or discussing events with Michael unless if he had some solid experience or some solid entertainment in the works. He pitched Alicia Keys. He talked about Pearl Jam. He talked about Stevie Wonder. He talked about all these great things for Bader Field and the people he was working with also. Those people were names that I had come across before as well, and I knew those people couldn't produce. Yet he was in city council meetings yelling at city council saying he's bringing A, B, C, and D, which from an entertainment standpoint is kind of really unprofessional. You don't go out there until you have a signed contract because nothing is ever a done deal until it's actually a done deal. We heard a lot of things when he came down to Wildwood, and there were a lot of hurdles there. And then we just heard on the radio the other day, and he begins speaking about how he had these hurdles and it was the city's fault or it was somebody else's fault. And he's been known to say bad things about the Tim McGraw show as well. I just think that for somebody who's never actually done anything before, he's got a pretty big mouth. And it it really does come time when promoters need to put up or shut up. And at this point, Michael Savanto, with having no experience, having not even produced a show really needs to do something for anybody to take him seriously. So how much do you know about the Wildwood deal? Maybe you know some of it and it's not appropriate for you to share it. But from what we heard on the radio, I could have swore, we all could have swore, that a couple of months ago the radio host was ripping Michael Salvanto and Songbird Entertainment, a new one, every day, ripping him apart. But yesterday he's on there kissing his butt, saying how wonderful he is, Uh, Was he looking for advertising dollars or all of a sudden he started believing everything that Mr. Salvanto said? Specifically, Salvanto was talking about the deal with Wildwood. Do you know much about the deal, why it got down to the wire and then Mr. Salvanto pulled out of that triple bill that should have been playing on the beaches of Wildwood? Well, I do know a little bit behind the situation. And I know that when Michael went on air, was saying a lot of, a lot of hurtful things towards the city of Wildwood and being a promoter, I obviously don't want to see the city of Wildwood's name tarnished because that's where we host our events. Um, The city is as eager as can be. Um, Commissioner Pete Byron gave Michael Silvanto the chance, even knowing his history with Atlantic city, his history with other events. Um, You know, they gave him the opportunity of a lifetime. Not everybody gets a chance to do something on that beach. You really have to have your stuff together. And even though maybe he didn't come to the table with everything, he still got the chance just like everybody else. And the fact that he was on air trashing Wildwood, saying that they prevented him from doing stuff, it's just absolutely untrue. On air yesterday, he said that the city of Wildwood prevented him from getting a very large sponsorship from Ready Vodka. At the time that Ready Vodka was sponsoring that concert, there was no website for that company. There was three likes on Facebook for that company. Is Ready Vodka a real product? And did they, I think they threw around that number that Ready Vodka was going to cough up quarter million dollars to support this event. Ready Vodka, is that an actual product? I'm not too certain about 
the logistics and legality of that product. It might be in production. I can't say for sure. I have not researched into that product. But from what I saw when they first announced Ready Vodka, it did not seem to be a legitimate or real company. The Big Bad Bullhorn on the Boardwalk. This is AC Primetime Radio. The city of Atlantic City, when they go to work with people and it's under a special event permit, there is no ordinance that says that they have to do a full background check into that person. I believe it is on their application that they might look into your history, but I'm not 100% sure. As far as saving dates, I, I feel like Atlantic City, just like any town, is eager to have good entertainment. Therefore, when somebody did bring a presentation to the table, they set those dates aside as a courtesy. And you saw that close to the end, uh, Mr. Shabazz ended up um, saying that, unfortunately, those dates would be removed because no solid plans came forward. This is AC Primetime Radio. The next question for Amanda Thomas of Boardwalk Entertainment is about these acts. It's a triple header. Actually, a pretty good show for those who love the music of the 70s and the 80s. It's a classic rock pop triple bill. War, Why Can't We Be Friends, and Asia uh, featuring John Payne and the former lead singer, the former lead vocalist of Journey, Steve Algieri. Saturday, November 11th, 2017, Boardwalk Hall, the arena, the big room, like 11, 12,000 seater, like where Madonna plays, where Janet Jackson's going to play. How did Boardwalk Hall, the CRDA, how did they give the big arena to Mr. Salvanto for this show that maybe on the very best nights might get, what, two, three, four thousand people, maybe? Well, I think that they're very eager to play stuff in Boardwalk Hall. I think that the new director of Boardwalk Hall is eager to get stuff done. I really don't know what they were thinking. Um, it just does not seem right that a band that pulls 2,000 people or less to each concert, unless if they're in a large festival format with medium and large headliners, would be able to perform in a room for 12,000 people. Do you have any background on, uh, I guess it's called Polestar, what does a concert typically uh, draw for somebody, uh, a band like War or Asia or Journey? What do they typically uh, you know, pull in when they tour individually or maybe a double bill? Right, so the records really indicate that because they are with multiple other people when they tour, it's kind of hard to determine what that number is. But it's looking like 45% of the places they're playing are filled. And each place is under 2,000 people. Now, when they're in that big festival format, they are getting thousands of people. But you have those big headliners to bring those people as well. So they're both so, phenomenal bands. However, this is not the right arena for them. So you said that in... The historical averages that they uh, they sell out about forty five percent of the tickets that are available. So, if the historical numbers say that on a very good night, this tour would bring in how many paid tickets? Anywhere between a thousand and two thousand paid tickets. And you can also see that the last time these bands performed, even locally, they did not sell out the arenas they were in. So, why would a local quote unquote trusted source who's in the press of Atlantic City, a writer for the press of Atlantic City and, a, and a, a news guy on the local radio station, why would he get on the air and say, yeah, that's a 6,000 seat, that's a 6,000 ticket night with Mr. Salvanto. Why would he, 
Why would he do that and say that when a couple of months ago he was ripping Mr. Salvanto a new one every single day saying he was a crackpot? But yesterday he's saying, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a 6,000 seat sold. And Mr. Salvanto comes back and says, well, listen, I know it's 12,000 seats, but if we can get half of the seats sold, that'll be a good night. It's not all about the money. So my question to you, Amanda Thomas, is doesn't it cost X amount of money just to turn on the lights and have the air conditioning going, get security going? What's the what's the amount of money that the CRDA, which is the state overlooking the boardwalk hall, what's it cost just to turn that place on for any size show? Well, the last time we were quoted, which was a few years ago for the entire arena, we were quoted $50,000 to rent the arena. And that was for a large-scale boxing match that would have drawn eight or 9,000 people. That's with all floors of the arena running, with security, ticket takers, um, all of the staff that they provide to you. They do keep food and beverage, and any merchandise you sell, they do take a piece of that as well. So it does cost a good chunk of change to operate Boardwalk Hall on any given night. Does that mean when you wanted to do the deal, you were ready to cough up $50,000 up front before you would move forward with uh, Boardwalk Hall with your production? At the time, we were asked for a deposit, which was $10,000 of the total bill that we would have had. The rest of the money, because Boardwalk Hall has an agreement with Ticketmaster, they have to sell through Ticketmaster. At the end of the event, they would cut you a check for the difference after they've taken that extra 40000 after they've taken that remaining $40,000 of your total contract. I can't say that works the same for everybody, but that's a very typical situation for arenas and convention centers around the entire so state. It's, so it's incumbent that the, uh, that the manager, the guy who does the bookings for Boardwalk Hall or any venue, they have a pretty good idea of how that show is going to do. Because if they did a deal with you, Amanda Thomas, for $50,000, and they took your upfront deposit for $10,000, they would make sure that you were bringing something pretty doggone good that would at least bring in $40,000, the balance, in ticket sales so they can recoup uh, the whole, you know, the remainder of their expense just opening the place for you. That is correct. Well, I think that there's always big risk in doing big events. And trust me, I don't know everything about entertainment. I just know the experiences that I've had. The one thing that Mr. Silvanto did say on air with Scott Cronick yesterday was that there's no money in beach concerts. And that might be true to a point. Um, when you go after these big artists and you have a higher cost and they're the only attraction, it is very difficult to make money. But when you do something like what we're scheduling for Wildwood next summer, uh, which is a three-day event filled with as many bands as you could possibly think of that had hits of the 80s, you immediately create an event that has more draw and will allocate for more ticket sales and more diverse visitors coming to your site. I do remember at one time Atlantic City was the place to go. I grew up in Ocean City. We were always in Atlantic City going to entertainment. Um, even just a couple years ago, I saw Aerosmith and Queen in the same year. And I just feel like the entertainment in Atlantic City has been focused too much on beach concerts and not on what the potential could be for Boardwalk Hall all year long. Working smarter, not harder. I mean, you know, I'm the name out front. You know, all the doom and gloom in Atlantic City with the casinos closing and people getting laid off. I mean, you know, this is a great thing. We're showing people that we can bring people from all over, state to state to state, to come here and, quote, do AC. 
And you know, we just happy, baby. Marty Small Entertainment, we don't throw parties, we throw events. And I'm out. This is AC Primetime Radio. It looks like the Live Nation deal is winding down. And instead, $7 million was sent towards Comcast and the William Morris Agency, having those two entities bring, quote-unquote, world-class entertainment to both the Boardwalk Hall and the Convention Center. Does that tell you that Live Nation, that deal was not so hot, so that the CRDA had to find two other players that might be better for Atlantic City? I'm not sure about that. I'm going to assume that they just wanted to diversify who they were working with, but I don't think that at the end of the day it was such a smart idea if it did not include the CRDA and Boardwalk Hall making a good deal of money. There are tons of promoters such as myself and and other people in the area that are extremely experienced that are more than willing to put on the same type of shows and similar shows that would allocate for the CRDA and Boardwalk Hall to make more money. Uh, For example, the beach concerts in 2018, before we decided on Wildwood, we did pitch to Atlantic City and we did include a portion of ticket sales going to the city and going to the CRDA just for their support in advertising. That's without putting out a dollar. Uh, Unfortunately, our experience in Atlantic City wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And we are staying in Wildwood for multiple reasons. Does the CRDA have the chops to know how to put on shows? And I'm not sure about that. I don't have any experience with that side of their operations. But I think that when you hear big names like Live Nation, you think, oh, wow, that's going to be great. At the end of the day, the issues experienced with the beach concerts are the same issues we experienced in Wildwood with our concert, um, such as layout and vendors and, and stuff like that. I think there's a ton of great local promoters that should be looked at. Live from the home of Miss America, Mr. Peanut and world-famous Diving Horse. This is AC Primetime Radio with Mel Taylor. I honestly feel that Scott Cronick is a coward. He knows that I could have completely dissected every single thing that they discussed on the radio about beach concerts and Wildwood. And I feel like I was unjustly um, kicked off the air and not given that opportunity uh, to debate him. At this point, Scott is really of no place to judge concerts and entertainment uh, because that's not what he does. He's in the media, and I believe he's very biased about everything with entertainment, even by your explanation of months ago, he was trashing Michael Salvanto, and now all of a sudden, they want to be best friends. Does Live Nation exert some kind of control? They're the big 800-pound gorilla in the room. With that 90-day, 90-mile thing they have, I got to assume that it's really difficult to get a half-decent band anywhere near Philadelphia for 90 days within a 90-mile radius that won't freak out Live Nation. Is there some truth to that? There are more artists than you think that are available that don't collude with that 90-90 rule. The fact that some promoters use that as an excuse as to why they can't succeed, and the fact that promoters use the fact that, oh, Live Nation bullied me, quote, so to say, it's really not true. Live Nation is not bullying anyone. Live Nation is not even caring 
what a possible Mike Salvanto or myself or Jersey Boys is doing. In fact, I personally had the opposite experience with Live Nation. When I was pitching Atlantic City, I did speak to some of their reps and said, look, do you want to share our stage? Do you want to share our equipment? It is not what people make it out to be. As for the Jersey Boys, I think they're really great guys. I met Rob a couple times. They do have the pier in Atlantic City right across from the showboat. They're opening the Bourbon Room, which is the old House of Blues. I think they're on a great path. I don't know what happened with that concert, but I can guarantee you it had nothing to do with Live Nation. So Rock the Beach Wildwood is a three-day festival. It is July 16th, 18th, and 20th. It's a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which is a little different, but we really want people to come to Wildwood and enjoy everything Wildwood has to offer for the entire week. The first two days are filled with every band that had a top hit in the 70s and 80s. And we have some really great bands that people will know the names of and they'll know every song. We can just say that we are focusing on New Jersey-centric rock bands and major headliners. I will tell you, it is not Bruce Springsteen. He's busy on Broadway, right? He is. He does have a very, very busy schedule. Okay, you narrowed it down for us. Somewhat. We can't give away too much. We're just not there yet, but we can guarantee it is going to be a great time, and it's 1,000% going to happen. All right, well, thank you, Amanda Thomas from Boardwalk Entertainment. And we know that your all-time favorite podcast and news source is... AC Primetime.